What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good morning, traders. Are you guys ready to get back to it with none other than the number one morning show, pre-market prep, ready to go ahead and get after it? We got a great one for you. We'll talk about buying the dip. Is it time? Is it working? We'll talk all about that. We'll also touch Powell's comments yesterday um, and today remarks to the house. So stay tuned for that. We'll definitely talk about is there a soft landing or not? Uh, Berkshire Hathaway buys some more oxy find out guys exactly what's going on there tesla darden restaurants analysts are awakening from the slumber coming out of the cave we'll talk about some of those analyst ratings fdx after the close stress test for the bank and of course we'll touch a little bit of some ticker time welcome to it pre-market prep i got joe alcon and dennis dick in the back let's get to it and welcome to pre-market prep let's go let's go hit the likes Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders. How we doing? Let's go ahead. Let's bring on Joe Alconan. I will let you guys know his camera's not working today, but he will have his charts up. Let me bring up Dennis and Joe. If you could my do me the favor, working. share those charts. <laughs> I, I wish my shit. camera wasn't working. I'm still <laughs> fighting this bloody cold. So is what it is. The show must go on. Sick or no sick, we're here for you guys. What's up, Mitch? Hey, let's go ahead. Let's take a look at the overnight action. Looks like we got a little bit of a rally going here. It's a sneaky rally, man. I'm telling you, we were were down. We were down and the 4 a.m. buyers came in with a vengeance. Pre-market low, 37.35. Absolutely nothing for you there. Uh, pre-market high 37.97. Nothing there. Yesterday's high 38.05.50. I, I think this is a, a pretty important day to see if this is just another dead cap bounce or this market has some legs. Uh, crude rebounded from that shellacking yesterday, uh, up 33 cents at 106.52. Gold down 750 at 1830.70. Silver in the red by 34 cents, 2107. And in Bitcoin, at 20635 do you have to think that we are just forming a major bottom here at 20 k that's going to spring load us to who knows? But 20 k is where we broke out from, so there's some bullish comments. I should get some, some Twitter love for that. 
And uh, Ethereum futures, they're up $35.50 at 11.06.50. Dennis is the NASDAQ stock, Joel. So the NASDAQ's not making new lows. Bitcoin's not making new lows. JC Peretz from those charts on top of each other from the last six months. NASDAQ, Bitcoin, same. Look the same. It's a NASDAQ stock is what Bitcoin is now. So as long as the market NASDAQ's holding up strong, expect Bitcoin to keep holding on to that 20,000 level too. Okay, sneaky rally here, Dennis. I mean, you know, we were down, right? Uh, at 4 a.m., we were down in the red by like close to 30 handles. And then they just came in with, they came in with a vengeance right here. I'm looking at this bracket here. I'd like to look at a bracket and say, was there any news? And this was after Chi said that, uh, you know, they're going to do whatever they can to uh, bolster economic growth in China. But, uh, that was a big rally that kickstarted us here. We're starting to leak a little bit, but um, kind of, um, like I said, just a, a sneaky 4, four to 415 rally. The buy the dip mentality is back right now. The buy the dip mentality. Okay. Again, yesterday morning, we felt like it was a buy the dip opportunity. Oh, it was. I mean, they never looked back. Those Powell comments, where we were in the pre-market, we never even traded there. We just started Never. climbing, climbing. Powell started speaking, and then they started rallying the market. So the buy the dip mentality is back. It's still working. Sell the rip too. Buy the dip, sell the rip. Both are still working. But right now, buy the dip is back in favor. Meaning, you get these dips, they quickly get snapped up. There's money managers that feel like, and they got a good argument that a lot of bad news has been priced in. I mean, you talk about a 33% fall in the Nasdaq. You talk about a 23% fall in the S and P. These are significant faults. Don't kid yourself. Some bad news is priced in. Is the bottom in? Nobody has the answer to that question. Is a bottom in? Well, it looks like there's a bottom in here. We've come off the lows. The gross tech stocks, which we talked about yesterday morning, are the ones that are still holding on, and they were leading the charge yesterday. The Kathy names leading the charge. Again, I've said this. You know, I've not been a fan of Kathy for a long time, but right now, I said this yesterday on the show, I kind of like her stocks. So they're holding up, not making new lows. So I think if you're sitting all cash, I think the time to deploy is on pullbacks. We had one last night. We had one yesterday morning. This isn't a pullback here now. We're ripping 25, but we get a little pullback here. I think you got to start nibbling. I'm not saying you go all in, but I'm saying the time to be 100% cash, I think, is past us. I think you've got to start getting some equity exposure just in case, you know, it doesn't get as ugly as some people fear. And it's like, how long are we going to go on? Is it recession, no recession, recession, no recession? You know, I mean, can th- this is, is it just going to go on for the next year, year yes, and a half, Yes, this is what the years? media does. Yes. They <laughs> sensationalize everything. They want to so, ask that question 100 times a day. They ask it to every recession. single person that comes on CNBC. Are we going to recession or not? Nobody knows. We don't know. Nobody knows. That's the answer. Nobody knows. All but right. What we can do is read the charts, and we can say we are oversold. We're due for a technical bounce. We're getting a little bit of a technical bounce. Trade it. Uh, I was talking with some buddies yesterday, and uh, they're like, well, technically speaking, uh, two quarters of negative GDP growth, uh, you know, is a recession. Is a recession. Yeah, correct. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's it's already technically. It depends on what you want to consider a recession. That's the truth. There's no 100% way of looking at what a recession is, but there's a plenty of kind of indicators that say that we're already there. 
So, I mean, it's depending on what you want to look at. Um, but See, I, I, I would disagree just... completely with that. I don't think we're already there. I think the market is pricing in that we're going there. There you go. But I don't think we're even close. Like, there's stuff going on. I don't even think we've seen much of a slowdown yet. I mean, inflation's still hopping here. So I don't think that we're there. But has the market priced it in? Well, that's a good valid question because you don't get a lot of 35% sell-offs in the S&P. So have we priced in all the bad news? We priced in a lot of bad news. It's hard to say that we've priced it all in. But these growthy tech names that have just been beat up, I mean, Square. And I've been talking about this one. You know, $300 stock, $289, down to 60 bucks, giving back four years of gains. I mean, is Block going away? Is Dorsey wrong? Is this a zero? I don't think so. I think there's value here eventually. The nosebleed valuation has come in where it's not even crazy valuation anymore. It's still probably not cheap, but it's not crazy anymore. Could they grow into a valuation like at this price? Probably. If you're buying Square at $61, do you make money 10 years from now? I tend to think so, but am I getting it cheaper yet? I don't know. I'm not in. It's been an ugly chart. $140 to $60 in two months is an incredible sell-off, though. Well, there's no recession at Darden Restaurants. Yeah, we can good go to segment, Darden Joel. here. Uh, I don't mind going into Darden. Let's go ahead. Let's get into our earnings of the day. Let's go into Darden's restaurant here. Uh, they did announce a $1 billion, uh buyback, so that's a, at least a decent sign there. Darden's earnings here, Q4 EPS, $2.24, beating the $2.21 estimate. Sales were at $2.6 billion, beating the $2.54 billion estimate. Um, and what do you guys think? Darden restaurants? Who even goes to Darden restaurants? I love Olive Garden. I don't go anywhere anymore. I just don't go out. But I mean, when I used to go out to restaurants, I used to love going to a good Olive Garden. Uh, did, I think they got rid of the Red Lobster. Did they get rid of the Red Lobster, Joel? Or was that over? Oh, it's, it's still, a, it's still well, in they, there or not? Let, let me see. Let me see. I'll check it. Because they were supposed to spin one of them off. I don't even remember. But, you know, I, I don't know. So, anyways, it used to always be Olive Garden, Red Lobster. I like both those restaurants. The biscuits on both those, you know, are, are amazing. So I think they're solid restaurants, but does that mean it's a solid buy right now? I don't know if I want to be jumping into restaurants here. If we're going into a recession again, this is yeah. you know, probably not the place to be. But you know, has it beat up enough? One sixty to one fifteen is their value. There's a three point six four percent dividend, a little bit of yield protection. I don't think you're getting killed if you buy it here. But again, I don't buy reps, so I'm not buying it up five percent. Get no, your breadsticks. Get yeah. your breadsticks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just uh, you know, just. I mean, going to like Oracle, and I'm just going back, not related companies at all, right? You got the earnings pop, and look what they did to that thing. It's almost back down to fill the gap, right? And then, uh, you know, Kellogg's, oh, we're splitting into three different companies. Uh, we got the pop, and you almost uh, revisited the low of the move. Now, total, of course, totally unrelated companies, unrelated, you know, um, as far as what they do. So conventional wisdom would be saying, hey, you know, sell the pop here, right? If we can't get through one, I keep an eye on not not only the pre-market high, but I want to get it too faked out. 122.75 was this, uh, this hurdle here. So I think if you take out the pre-market high, you got some room up to there. Let's see if it get it, you know, if it can get to one two one twenty two seventy five. If not, man, it's got a long ways to go to go to the top of yesterday's range, and that that's been the pattern to to fade these pops, whether they're earnings or 
breaking up the company or whatnot. So it's see what been happens. It's a tough to market to chase in. We will I'm not that. chasing. Yeah, yeah. I don't if like chasing either. If you're buying this thing, I, you know, it it, just, it gets a little bit thinner stock too. You better better have a tight um tight stop on that one. I mean, look uh, at Oracle. The great earnings. The stock yep. pops to seventy two dollars, and here you are a week later. We talked about it, giving it back just because this is the type of market that does that. Back to sixty six. I mean, there's a stock for you. You know, you want to look at value tech. You want to look at a company that actually reported a pretty good quarter. You want to look at a company that's given back two-thirds of its gains. You want to do some nibbling and buy the dip in Oracle. I wouldn't argue with you. Uh, well, we'll see well on Oracle. Uh, I, I've been trying to stay away from anything software, but I can't blame you guys if you guys are trying to take a shot. Well, um, is, it, is this moving any other restaurant stocks? I mean, what do we got? Yeah. MCD. Uh, yeah, I was going to read you the brands them. here if you guys want. I got sure. so the brands are for Darden. It's and you were right, Dennis. Uh, Longhorn, uh, not Longhorn. Red Lobster oh, is out. Uh, but it's Olive out. Garden, Longhorn, Cheddar's, Yard House, The Capitol Grill, Season Fifty Two, Bahama Breeze, and Eddie V's Prime Seafood. Uh, so those are the restaurants under Darden right now. I, I don't think it's going to move the restaurants all too much, Joel. I mean, everything's okay. just kind of moving together. Remember the type of market we're into, and I'm going to keep you know reiterating stuff that I say. When I say stuff that's working, I'm going to continue to say it because it's working. Right now, correlations are more one, meaning stuff is kind of all moving together. I mean, we see oil off stocks up. Oil, you know, it's, it's we haven't seen that for a while, but that's the market that we're in. Is that stocks are moving together right now? So if you're, you know, just jumping in on a flyer and saying, I'm going to go buy a bunch of restaurant stocks, you know, because I think mm. they're all going to fly today. I think it's going to be more dependent on what the S&P does. S&P is dictating all the moves, for all the stocks right now. Everything is moving together. All right, let's go ahead. Let's, uh, we can move forward from Darden. We can take a look uh, before we get, uh, you know what, it's 815. Why don't we just go straight into Mark? Uh, Mark, give me a sure. thumbs up if you're ready. Hey, you know it, guys. Mark is ready like always. Let's go ahead. Let's get out of Darden. Let's go to our special guest of the day. Of course, you guys probably know Mark Chaking, but like always, do me the favor and definitely give Mark Chaking the follow. It's literally at Mark Chaking, so definitely check him out. And let's bring him on here. This is Mark Chaking, the founder of Chaking Analytics. How are we doing, Mark? Good morning. Oh, Mitch, doing real well, Dennis. Hi. Um, just got back from the beach, the Jersey Shore. and yes. uh, nice. There's nothing to give you a better perspective than some sea air. So we're, There you go. So give us that good perspective you got going from that sea air there, Mark. Talk to us. This is like 1973-4. It's the first time in 50 years that we've had what looks like stagflation, which is mm. suppressed economic growth and inflation. And most investors and traders have never seen anything like that. We had a 40-year bull market in bonds push rates down to zero. That's my overview. So I, I still believe we're in a bear market. I like the fact that energy corrected the way it did. Very yeah. painful if you're long energy, as, as you know I am. Uh, but I think real opportunity, Warren Buffett just announced this morning, he bought another 9.6 million shares of Oxy. Yeah. I'll, I'll follow Buffett on that trade any day. Um, the energy crisis is not going away. So we've had a series of bear market rallies. We had two 10% rallies. We broke that 3,800 level, which was critical because that's where we all hoped this decline would stop. But uh, we're now into true bear market territory. We've reached my first objective, which was 3,600. 
last week. And I think the view going forward depends on what you think earnings are going to do. So yeah, that's good. the S&P earned a dollar, 193 bucks, and the market was willing to put a 24.6 multiple on that. Consensus estimates, in my view, are still too high. Consensus estimates for 2022 are a 10% gain in earnings in the S&P, and the same for 2023. On that basis, you could argue the market's perhaps fairly valued. But doesn't that seem optimistic to you in this inflationary economy with pinching costs, supply chain issues, labor costs going up? So depending on what your earnings estimate is, if it's flat, $1.93, and you get rate compression, PE compression, which you always do in an inflationary environment, you could be looking at 18 times $1.92, which puts you down around 30, I don't know, 32, 3,300. Yeah. If you think earnings are going to be down this year, 2 or 3%, now you're looking at 190. And you could see a 15 multiple on 190, which puts you below 3,000. So the scenario, if you're looking to where the market may bottom out, really depends on what earnings do. What about the scenario where, and I'll just play devil's advocate because you know I've been bearish for a long time, but what about the scenario where they do navigate a soft landing, meaning that we come in and the Fed you know, gets inflation check and then they start getting the rates back down because believe me, they're not going to hold these rates up here forever. As soon as inflation starts getting checked, they'll start giving it back again. What about the scenario where a soft landing does happen? Economy doesn't go into a recession. Earnings stay, you know, at least stable. Is there a bull scenario anywhere here, Mark? Uh, there is, if you think that raising interest rates can make a difference in inflation. But the exogenous factors, the energy um, spike, is totally independent of the Fed. They can't print oil, and so you're looking at. Energy and food prices, where you might have a worldwide famine because the breadbasket of Europe was the Ukraine and that grain's not going anywhere. So you, you have two variables that are really outside the Fed's control. And so the notion that the Fed can bring down the inflation rate just by raising interest rates is, I think, fallacious. So that blows that scenario, unfortunately. Would I love that to happen? Yes. The other, the flip side of that is the Fed does not want to see the stock market go up. Remember, the whole time we had quantitative easing from 2008 through 2021, 13 yeah. years of it, we didn't have price inflation. We had asset inflation, stocks, bonds, IPOs, SPACs, mm -hmm. crypto. Now, the last thing that Fed wants is to get back into asset inflation. So I, I think it's a very difficult scenario. Powell basically told you what the playing field looks like yesterday when for the first time he said it's going to be really tough to engineer a soft landing. And if there's one guy I want to listen to in terms of the economy, it's not Elon Musk, it's Jamie Dimon. And he laid out the script three weeks ago. Yeah. You know, the hurricane. there's a financial hurricane coming. So uh, it's not the end of the world, but I think people have to position portfolios accordingly. And trading is tough in this market because 
you're still in negative gamma, which I finally found a simple way to explain it to our listeners. Sure. When Go people are buying puts, whether they're pros or individuals, the market makers have to go short to hedge the puts that they're selling them. That's called negative gamma. And although a lot of gamma rolled off on the expiration on Friday, you're still in a negative gamma situation where the break point to positive gamma is around 4,100. So very tough to get the market to rally much more than 10% on any move. And then as we saw on Wednesday, they can be over very quickly. Yeah, it's definitely tough out there. I did see you mention kind of the food inflation out there. Is there anything in uh, maybe farm products that you guys are, are seeing that could point towards the upside? Uh, maybe TSN? What do you like out there and, and maybe some uh, defensive area? Yeah, I mean, Sanderson Farms, um, TSN looks interesting. Obviously, Kellogg after the announcement, but it, our power gauge rating was bullish on Kellogg's before the announcement. Okay. Uh, you can pick and choose, but you know now you've got the dilemma: Do I stay in cash or do I go into defensive stocks? I've never been a big fan of defensive stocks because that's sort of trying to thread the needle between where the ultimate bear market low is going to be and what your money is going to be worth at the bottom. Um, Dividend-paying stocks have been the salvation here for the last nine months, six months, really. I, I'm not sure that's going to continue, but you know, dividend-paying stocks with some level of growth are obviously an interesting place to be. Um, and I'm starting to see little pockets of stocks that are going up. CRISPR, the only Kathy Woods stock that has a bullish power gauge rating. However, they did an investor day, and they call it innovation day, and they spooked the street when they said they were gonna shift from one um, drug to the second in line instead of pursuing that. But if CRISPR holds up here above its long-term trend line, that's the kind of stock you might start, start nibbling on. In fact, some of the stocks that have really gotten decimated that have real business models and are either making money or uh, on the verge of making money could be interesting here. And you really have to hunt and a peck to find them, but they're, they're going to be buys, but not quite yet. We're on the line with Mark Chaikin, founder of Chaikin Analytics, joins the show every, every two weeks. Uh, Mark, just talking in, about the inflation and uh, the commodity picture. Uh, crude has come off the high, um, still elevated levels, of course, from, of course, pre-pandemic and pandemic. Um, but I'm looking at wheat. I'm looking at some of these other commodities. I mean, wheat has had a substantial uh, pullback. Um, soybeans have had a substantial pullback. Uh, corn has had somewhat of a pullback. Um, you, don't, you, you don't think that those are going to be, um, you know, all those other commodities are going to be, you know, coming down, coming off their highs is not going to, you know, put a little dent in the uh, in the uh, uptrend in inflation is just all about crude and, and gas prices, electricity prices. No, I think uh, you raise a good point. I think some trends look promising, but really tough to get inflation down. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Larry Summers, but he laid out a roadmap of, you know, increases that you would have to have over the next five years in interest rates to impact basically the consumer. You, you've got to impact 
the consumer and the manufacturers. And so there's this whole inventory story out there that they overstocked the shelves because they were afraid of supply chain constraints. Now they've got to cut prices. It, it's not a pretty picture. Yes, commodities are going down, copper going down, lumber going down, grains going down. But, you know, you can't wish yourself out of a bear market. Bear markets take time. We've gotten spoiled. Bear markets typically take 18 months on average. You could argue that the market peaked in February of 2021 when the Kathy Wood stocks peaked. But it's hard to argue with a new high in the S&P on January 2nd. So we're either six months into a bear market or more like 12 to 18 months in some sectors. These things just don't go away <clears throat> when, you know, when you unleash the genie in the inflation bottle. It's very hard to put it back in. And I think that's the trouble here is that, you know, there's been a lot of economists, a lot of people saying, well, we went through interest rate, you know, raises before and the market has been just fine. But we've never been through an interest rate hike period where we've had inflation rampant like it was in the 80s. So, I mean, it's just a different economic environment and those comparisons that, yeah, we're going to bounce back here in six months and be at new highs at the end of the year. I mean, this because we did it in 2018, we're just not in that environment that we were in 2018. No, it's a completely different animal here. Totally agree. And that's the, the key. And traders, traders may be getting the hang of it because retail traders are you know, cutting back on options trading and um, although they're buying index funds in theory if you believe the numbers from goldman and merrill lynch they're not trading the way they were so uh you know i saw a headline this morning when i was browsing headlines buy the dip is back this is really stupid this is catching the javelin not buying the dip you do not want to catch the javelin in the stock market Mark, what about the volume here? I mean, I've been looking. We we did had we did have a quad witch expiration, right? And a lot of times that uh, signifies significant turns in the market. And uh, we we made the low. We made the low on the day of the quad witch. Um, and at I know what at what price level, Joel? Thirty six, thirty nine in okay. the S and P's. Just wanted to be on record with that one. I got a lot of um, grief from someone on the show. About, well, yeah, I you're guess not I saying thirty six hundred. Get them, get them, Mark, get them. I guess I didn't get filled on my thirty six hundred. Um, yeah, well, never put your buy. order in at a round number. Oh yeah, thirty six oh one. Thirty six oh one. So the volume. Man, I wish I could nail everything within forty handles. But anyways, uh, back to the volume here. Uh, oh, yeah, 40 handles is only 1%. Okay. If, if you can uh, well, call I the bottom the or the top within 1%, percent, pretty damn good. Um, yeah. Here's the thing about volume. You, you've actually hit on something important. Up through the uh, June, the, the um, May bottom, I was concerned that you hadn't had high volume down days in the SPY. The last one was back in early May or late April. On this decline that we saw a week ago, we did get two high volume days, the 13th and the 14th. And that was encouraging to me. You, you broke through all the standard deviation bands, whether it's Bollinger or Keltner. And then you came down and you made the final low on reduced volume relative to the max. And now you're rallying. 
if you come down again and test the lows and you don't get a high volume day, that would be a classic W pattern. So that first condition that I've been looking for to even think about a bottom was high volume in the SPY. And you got it. And I, I measure volume as two standard deviations around a 20-day average. Actually, 1.6 standard deviations around a 20-day average volume. It's, a, it's an indicator that's on TradeStation, I think, where I um, do my research. So uh, there you go. Uh, the conditions are in place, but you know, you, you've, you've got a tough environment. We are in that sort of, oh, what would you call it, um, sort of news vacuum period between now and um, second quarter earnings. I think the biggest risk to the market, to sum it up, is if analysts finally start lowering their estimates based on what you get in terms of guidance with second quarter earnings reports in, in mid-July, that might lead to a viable bottom because bottoms tend not to happen when analysts expectations are still elevated and they're up until a week or two ago they were still raising their earnings again 10 percent estimate for 2022 in the s p just hard for me to believe that happens you know and what happens if some of the cash cows that we've been looking at for for years like apple and microsoft start to see a slowdown in growth. And we've already seen that from Amazon, Microsoft, and so forth. So I, if you ask me to map out the rest of the year, I think that when second quarter earnings come out, guidance is going to be poor. People, analysts are going to start lowering estimates. We may get a tradable bottom around 3,400 to 3,600. Bigger rally than 10%. I've looked back at every bear market since 1960 on a daily basis, and you get rallies of 13, 14, and 15% in bear markets. We're probably overdue for one of those after a spillover, and then the final bottom in September, October. And I can't tell you the level, but some of the big banks are talking 3,100 to 3,300, and it's not out of the question. All right. Well, thank you. Like always, Mark Chaikin joining us, the founder of Chaikin Analytics. Like I said, guys, give him a follow on Twitter. Thank you for coming on like always, Mark, and we'll have you back on. Be well, guys. See you, Mark. Uh, did you not like the jobless claims number? We started leaking before that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, got up near 3,800, and then uh, we just started to leak, and it was actually uh, ahead of the uh, – whatever the initial jobless claims. So uh, we have pulled back off the high, not quite uh, mid-range on the session. Sure looks like we want to go and uh, test that double-close area to 37.65. Uh, potential for an inside day here? I mean, yeah, that, uh, I think yeah. so, Joel. Yeah. Russell rebalance tomorrow too, don't forget. So you're lining up for a lot of volatility tomorrow. Could be the calm before the storm here. Um, so I think you do line up for an inside day. That simply means being inside yesterday's range, which was 80 points wide, at least on the spy, eight points wide on the spy. So I think, I think you're right in the middle. So I, I think you do set up for an inside day here. All right. Just wanted to kind of show where we've been at for the jobless claims. I have this, uh, this is from tradingeconomics.com, but it's just kind of like a bar graph and you can see how we've been increasing here. That's why I wanted to kind of show a graphical representation here. One of the things that's kind of interesting is the last kind of three rating, uh, the three numbers all at the 229 mark. It's almost like, how do they do this? How do they keep it at that one spot? But yeah, 
consensus before this was 227. Another thing to notice is to the consensus has been moving up words right and so uh, as we keep going further and further they're expecting more and more unemployment that was also reiterated by uh Powell in his speech on the FOMC meeting that he expects to see that increase start showing so I wanted to go ahead and touch those jobless claims let's go ahead we can continue do you guys want to talk a little bit more about what do you guys think about unemployment do you guys think that we're going to see a spike here. Now nah, I want to talk stocks, man. I, I uh, think I'm not an economist. I never, I took 70 <laughs> yeah. economics courses in school. I know you took some too, you know, and, and Joel, yeah. but you know what? That, I'm 25 years removed from university. So I talk a little bit of economics, but you know, jumping in unemployment, who knows who cares? Let's talk stocks because that is what really moves. You know, if you think you can look at economic data, and extract, you know, where this next stock move is, you're in the wrong business, man. So one thing that we do care about is the CPI number, but that doesn't come out for another couple of weeks here. So a continuing claims, who cares? That's what I say. CNBC wants to cover for 25 minutes. Let them cover it. Boring. All right, let's go ahead. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Berkshire. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about that. Yep. Good. Let's get into that, guys. So, of course, Berkshire Hathaway buying 9.6 mil more of uh, Occidental shares. Um, this actually brings uh, Berkshire's own uh, now 142.3 million of Oxy worth about 8.8 billion. Um, the purchases were made over the past week and cost about 529 million. Um, so, going to keep an eye on, on what's going on in the oil trade. It looks like uh, Berkshire. And double downing here on on oxy not double. wow no, i mean they no. had they, they i mean at this time shares. they got like 60 million shares or something so you know they're they're they adding two percent to their position yeah. but this gets headlines headlines move stocks 100 headlines move stocks buffett hasn't bought anything for a little bit so you knew when you saw that filing last night from your benzinga pro which was right in there that oxy was probably going to pop on it and obviously is this morning up 3.1 percent i don't chase uh, but I never short one thing I've learned the hard way is shorting Warren Buffett is always a recipe for disaster because <laughs> traders like to follow him. And yeah. just like Mark said, he would follow him. Traders, you know, that, you know, just trade even intraday, 930 money managers follow him too. So I've learned something. You fade Buffett too soon, you get run over. So I think the easy money was made last night. You know, some people buy the filing stocks up 3%. They're probably ringing the register of the traders into it. Um, you know, is there room on Oxy? I mean, it's pulled back. He's giving a vote of confidence into, you know, a, a sector that has been very beat up here in the last three weeks. So does this, you know, put in a little short-term bottom in Oxy? Probably. So leaning on, would I buy pullbacks in Oxy? Maybe. Um, you know, long-term, again, we're talking as traders here. Long-term, I'm not doing much right now. But as traders, I've been saying buy the dip is back in favor started this week. I think it by the dip in energy could be, uh, you know, a potential here too. So I don't mind the oxy uh, Warren Buffett play. If it was to pull back a bit, I might potentially buy that dip. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. If you need to hire, you need indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Dennis, have you, uh, just put your thinking cap on for a second, have you ever seen him in Berkshire so aggressive in one stock? I mean, yeah, yeah, you, you do. Like, like, oh. But he 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 does do that, Joel. He picks on stocks, so he's you know he's not like one that you know all of a sudden I'm just buying everything. He goes value and he does pick on stocks, meaning you know he does get up that ten percent ownership in a lot of stocks. So and he builds it over time. So he's an opinion. He doesn't change his opinion very often. He's been bullish ox, and we know he's been buying it for a long time. So long you get time. a little twenty, you get a twenty percent pullback in OXY, and he says. Come to Daddy Buffett. Come to Papa. And that's what he was doing. So, but I mean, he is aggressive here. Is he caught in a value trap? It's hard to say. I mean, if we get real demand destruction, OXY will get hit here too. But there's a good argument that we're still got an energy crisis on our hands here. Ukraine war is still going on. Here's, mm-hmm. a, you know, a stock that was, you know, just made a new all-time high or at least a new 52-week high 15 sessions ago. And it gives you a 20% dip. I'm not going to argue with the man. Yeah, well, he actually started getting down and dirty in this when um, there, I can't remember, was it Anadarko and Chevron? Remember, they were, who are they going after? A pat? I can't remember that, but it, it was a while because he, I think he started buying this thing maybe in late, or, or yeah, late 19, maybe. So, like, I mean, he rode that dip out. For a while. Oh, yeah. All the way down to ten bucks, but he's been—I mean—extremely <clears throat> aggressive in this yeah. one. And um, I, I mean, buying the dip, yeah. Just looking at this on a really short-term basis here. Uh, you just hit your pre-market high of uh, fifty-seven eighty-eight. So you want to see follow-through on that? You're only forty cents off that. And then um, if you're looking for another target after that, um, you can go up a little bit higher. I see the next daily high at. Uh, 5874. So if you're looking for some more upside targets in uh in Oxy, there you go. Gotta take out the pre-market high first, though. Let's keep pounding through some of these tickers in the chat. If somebody wanted to talk covered calls, um, you know, we can do a quick little two, three minutes. We got some time here. Um there's that. multiple questions, and I know yeah, sure the person, but just so so again, I've had this rant before. So covered calls. Covered call strategy, meaning you buy the stock and write a call against it to enhance the yield, you know, to bring yourself a yield if it wasn't a dividend paying security. Great strategy for when the market's going sideways. There's no strategy that is better for a sideways market because you're bringing in premium. It rolls off the board. You re-roll the premium. You're bringing it in. 
works well in a slow up environment, works pretty well in a slow down environment. When you start to get these fat tails where you start to get going to statistics, when you start to get market, you know, getting hit 30%, that's where covered call strategies suck. Because one, and, and, it, and it also sucks the other way when those market's blasting off. Because you're giving up your upside, but you're taking on the downside. You're basically writing insurance to a certain extent. You're like the insurance company. But when you know really gets ugly, this fat tails happen, insurance starts to pay. I could tell you the years. You know, the covered calls work really well, like 2002 to 2007. 2007, 2008, 2009, if you were running a covered call portfolio, you got your ass kicked. Because financial crisis came and we saw stocks, obviously, some like Citigroup, you know, fall 99%. We saw other stocks, you know, fall, you know, significantly as well. So um, it works well in a sideways market. It works well in, you know, a, a slow trending up or slow trending down. It does not work well in a market that's straight up because you're giving up the upside or a market that's straight down because you're taking on the risk. So that's, you know, the skew. So you'll see for years, you know, from 2010 to 2020, covered calls probably worked pretty well. Slow, steady climb in the market. The calls enhancing the yield. You're still picking up some on the stocks, maybe not getting called away on everything. But in a market environment, like obviously what we saw in March of 2020, which came back, but, you know, some people really got rocked there. And it's not working well in 2022 either. So you just got to know the market environment you're in. There's certain markets that covered call strategy is going to work. In this type of market, it's not working so well because you're taking on a lot of risk. That's Good it. explanation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, uh, and Spinner mentioned one thing, you know, you can use the, the premium from the call to buy downside puts. The only thing about that is if, you know, you get a, just a flat market, it, you know, it doesn't do a lot for you, but, um, and remember put call parity. So, you know, at a certain point in time, you're just owning the stock or you're short the stock. I mean, you know, you can mimic anything with options. So, you know, you buy the call and sell the put. I mean, it's the same as the stock. So, I mean, you've got to, you know, one thing to consider. I mean, hedging is like you, everybody wants to put on the perfect hedge. Everybody wants to time the per- market perfectly. But it's still hedging is all about timing. And I mean, you know, people are saying, oh, I got to hedge my portfolio. We see that commercial on CNBC now talking about, you know, hedging your portfolio now. I mean, you got to hedge now. After the market falls, NASDAQ falls 33%. Now you're putting on your hedge. Man, that timing couldn't be worse. You know, maybe we're falling another 33%. But I mean, there's a time and a place to hedge. And that's usually when, you know, you Strings. anticipate a sell-off, not hedging after a sell-off. All right. What's, uh, let's let's uh, get another ticker here. Pablo is just pounding the table on the trade desk here and uh, trading up. 42 cents um, in the pre-market. Not seeing, I mean, you see it's a pretty good support on a relative strength basis. You never came, this is like your growthy tech, right? Yeah, Didn't make Kathy, it. Kathy yep, yep. I don't know if it is a Kathy name, but it's like a Kathy name. Yeah, I think you just got to be a little bit patient with this one. I like this support, you know, building here above yeah. the low, right? And I don't think you can get ex- super excited on the upside. Uh, you know, give me a couple closes over 50. You know, a new handle. People will think, hey, I missed the move. I got to get in. Uh, don't know when they have earnings. The stock split certainly didn't do anything for them. Like to see a green monthly candle. Uh, that would be another thing of positive. But uh, see the support there and then the resistance. What do you need to have? A, it's probably going to have a hard time having a positive month, right? Because things have way things got pounded this month but 
Not seeing any like super great levels in trade desk, Pablo. But 50, there you two go. days ago was a great sell opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Old support becomes new resistance. Now you've pulled back. I would just say 43.26, the low of the recent move from four days ago. If you're buying it here, it has to hold that. If not, you're going to see 40. So that's yeah. why I think you're going to see 40. So 43.26 would be my bogey if I was buying the trade desk here. Meaning, again, traders, newer traders, first set up your trade. Don't think about how much money you're making. Think about how much money you're willing to lose. This is the recipe for success in this business. So if you're coming in here, buying a 45.80, like, where's my out? First question, where am I getting out? 43.26 would be the logical stop-up point. So give yourself a few cents. Say under 43, I'm getting out of this thing. I think there could be a market rally in the store. TTD would participate. I think the trade set, I actually think it sets up not bad from that risk reward. You're risking yourself about two and a half, three bucks. Yeah. And, you know, about 5% and saying, you know, if it gets up, 50 is a natural sell point, but, you know, maybe you can break out, maybe you can get above that too. The stock is oversold. Um, is there better setups? I kind of think so. Yeah, I think so. But, but there's definitely a level to lean on, and that level is 43.26. And also, isn't this um, uh, just kind of painting this, this like with a, uh, a wide brush? I mean, advertising, right? Isn't this company derived? Mitch, can you help me out? I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that's what I was trying to get what, to. I mean, you know, look at, uh, well, Meta, they're, you know, like they're giving up on advertising. They're, uh, you know, now in the, in the metaverse. But, you know, if companies are, are not making, you know, the profits that they want, they're going to look mm-hmm. to cut expenses, right? Exactly. Where are they going to cut their expenses? They're going to cut their expenses in advertising. So uh, from a fundamental standpoint, I don't, you know, I'm not in love. This with is why stuff. Meta's struggling, Joel. Nail on head. I mean, you yeah, think that's... about like if we go into a recession, if we start to get tighter, those advertising dollars start to come in significantly here. Ground zero is a stock like Meta. So you ask, you know, why does this, you know, trade? You know, like at such a cheap PE ratio, while the market is anticipating <laughs> that P. it's going to get uglier, and those advertising dollars could come in, which means the earnings could come in. So it's not a matter of completely that they're tr- still trying to find their way, which they are. And I, you know, I, and I watched that interview with Kramer last night on Meta, and it was pretty good. I mean, Zuckerberg speaks very well. He sells you on it, like you think, like, oh yeah, I could see it. You know, I can, you know, like when they're they're on there, you know, I I get it. I get the appeal to it all. It's just, you know, is this, you know, your your recession-proof stock? Absolutely not. This is like a stock that gets hammered in a recession. So this is why Meta, you know, continues to make new lows, made a new 52-week low again yesterday. And you know what really kickstarted like this whole thing with that was Apple, right? When they when they changed their, uh, you know, their policies and stuff and and sharing. I mean that. I mean, besides the earnings, I mean, Apple really stuck a fork in, you know, a lot a lot of these, I mean, whatever, what else do we have, pins, or I can't even keep track of all of these. I mean, Apple, Apple really did that, and they haven't been able to recover. Yeah, I think also keep in mind, right, uh, the DOJ stepping in on Meta was what's not to say that they don't step in into other areas, especially in advertising. That's what it was all about, right? Advertising in the wrong ways, so... Who's not to say that they don't step yeah. in into TTD's game and to uh, all the other advertisers out, out there. So I would be concerned about headlines. That's my concern about a stock like this is one headline could have you down uh, a couple 10%. So uh, it's just to me, in my eyes, I think it's a little bit too high risk just because of what the kind of the environment is right now in the advertising game. Um, I think in 2020, 
yeah, it would have been an awesome stock to definitely be a part of uh, in this environment. It's not something that I want to be a part of. I mean, go back to our rules, you know, that we write with trading stocks, making new 52-week low. You got to go. There's absolutely no reason to own a stock making a new 52-week low. So, you know, we're arguing on Trade Desk. We have a bottom trade on. You don't have anything on that. You know, you could say, oh, yesterday's low. We're above yesterday's low. But you need to, like, start putting in, you know, like, instead of being a hero, because you could have been a hero the whole way down here. And, I mean, there is pain, pain, pain above here. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning there's so many bag holders in the stock, my or my kid and his RESP being one of them. Um, you know, it's hard for the stocks to come back. They bounce oh. back a little bit and they're like, oh, give me my money back, give me my money back, give me my money back. Everybody that's bought this thing in the last three years is down in it. So this is your classic value trap. Is there value here in the long run? If you're buying Meta and you're putting away for 20 years, do you make money here? I wouldn't bet against Zuckerberg. I think you probably do. So it depends on your time frame. But there's no reason as a trader to be a hero and say today is the day that Meta bottoms because everybody's been trying to do that for the last two years and it hasn't worked. All right. Let me give at least some comments here from Mark Zuckerberg yesterday on Mad Money. He said that we hope to basically get around a billion people in the metaverse doing hundreds of dollars of commerce, each buying digital goods, digital content, different things to express themselves. So whether that be clothing for an avatar or different digital goods for their virtual home or things to decorate their virtual conference rooms, uh, utilities to be able to be more productive and augmented uh, reality across the metaverse overall. It seems like a little bit of a push there, but I mean, I'll throw it to you guys. What do you guys think? Well, we already we already talked meta, so I have no more comments on it. So. Yeah. Yep. Um trying to put a low in but uh once again looks like it has a date with 150 here getting back to that that april low i i mean if you if you're sticking out here you got a 15083 your april 2020 low that's kind of hard to believe but uh let's uh let's go a little bit more rapid fire here uh All right, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's how about baba, baba. yeah baba. I see baba may mention that i'll let you go first with the bobster Again, I think, and you can see with China, they're starting to support their stocks to a certain extent. Unless something, you know, here's the wild card is, you know, the whole Taiwan situation. We don't know the macro political environment over there, you know, geopolitical environment over there. We don't know. It's always a wild card. But from a technical perspective, these stocks continue to get bought on dips. From a, from a fundamental perspective, if you believe the numbers, Alibaba is cheap. You put those two together, I don't want to be short it. And you can see... Every time the market goes to like show a little bit of life, these some of these China stocks are leading the way. So, I mean, there's oversold markets. You know, there's you know there's been certain sectors that have been absolutely killed. China and, and the emerging markets we've been talking about this is ten year underperformance. So this isn't the sector that's going to get hammered in the next down wave. Even in the most recent down wave, FXI held up very well. I mean, S and P's just look over the course of the last you know month down ten percent. FXI flat. So, I mean, it's showing you relative strength. So, I do think on pullbacks, the technicals are there to say that you can own some of these China stocks. You know, if you start to break down and make new lows, maybe that, you know, you, you know, you got to look at Alibaba, maybe below 97, you'd be out. FXI, if you're trading that here, it's obviously up this morning, 31.13, maybe your level there. But you take a shot here on China, I think you can as a trader. On I mean, not a relative. Yeah, excellent point here on a relative strength basis. I mean, this thing bottomed in May right around 28 yeah. bucks and it's just it's not flinching the bottom, they had their bear market before yeah. us yeah they did 
Man, I wish I could I could give you some. I'll just go short term on this. And um, you got you made your pre market high right when uh, the man the buying came in, probably off the chi comments overnight. They're gonna do whatever they can. So that one ten forty. So I'm gonna give you a zone here, and it's a pretty big zone. You got to get through one ten forty. Things kind of open up to what one twelve seventy five. Uh, if you want to try and buy it on the cheap here, one one oh seven, you could see that. That was a, a pair of highs uh, from uh, from Tuesday and Wednesday for Alibaba. Yeah, I've been bullish on it since that DD push, and uh, we don't break that DD push. Uh, that was uh, on June sixth um, when we were at ninety nine, and we just got back above that one hundred. Keeps holding that one hundred. Holding well. Probably going to push. And so, uh, AWEB too, same kind of chart. China's holding up. I mean, China's full of all those same names. You know, it's full of Baba, it's full of Baidu, it's full of Tencent, which obviously is traded as an ADR over here. All of these names, all these China names are holding up very well. So, you got to like the relative strike. Mm-hmm. And also mentioned in the chat, just and we won't get into it, but also the Chinese EVs have been also performing well. Um, so check those out. Let's keep going. If you guys got stocks, throw them up in the chat. We could definitely touch Lots them. Lots of ticker time. You know, look at yeah, that. let's do it. Let's do it. We, we haven't done this in a little while. Uh, looks like someone brought up snow, saying that it's jamming higher. So we could take a look at snow. S-N-O-W. Uh, interesting. I mean, you did take out the May lows, 112 down to 110, but then you kind of held it. In the last two days, they don't go even back to a few days ago, a little double bottom, 1375, 1428. Starting to show some life, starting to come out. You're chasing it now. Like, I don't know what the headline here is. Today, yeah, what's the headline? Another, it's up another seven bucks. So obviously, right it's now. a rating or there's something here today. Um, I didn't rating. see it. I missed it, but I'm sure it's out there. Yeah, we got So ratings. it's hard to chase it here now. But, you know, if you were to give this to two days ago, I'd be like, oh, it's, you know, you got a little low to lean on. I'd probably be selling into the strength here now just because it's like you're up 20 points in two days in this market. You don't look at gift horse in the mouse, right? Is that how yeah. you say it, Joel? Don't yes. ever look at yeah. gift horse in the mouse? You know, look at this one. JP like, Morgan up- upgraded. Yeah, yeah it, it was a JP Morgan upgrade. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, like this one, and I, I like a chart like this because I just look at the upper right chart and it just has 140 written all over it. Uh, and, you know, there you had, you made the low of the move. You came back up, you kissed 140, it came down, you just underticked it, right, by a little bit. You're back on the way up. I tell you, you got some, you know, it's up 710, so I'm not I'm not chasing it today. Uh, but longer term, I don't know if it would take some earnings or whatnot, but and this it gets a strong 140 stranglehold here, holds, and not just trades it over de- intraday to like 140.40. Just show me a basin for me uh, getting over that level. So that's what I would look at that. Uh, longer term and you're you're probably you until yesterday you were probably or until today's price action you were probably right in the 50 percent retracement of uh all this uh mishmash here somebody asked airbnb i like airbnb here um not long term again because you know valuation still not attractive but you got a little <laughs> double bottom 92 93 the crappy thing is you got to kind of give it down to 92 so i got to give it seven or eight bucks here i would much rather have it at 95 than 99 <laughs> But I, I kind of like it. I mean, you don't feel again, the demand destruction's coming for travel? Um, I think it already did, Mitch. I mean, Airbnb was a $250 stock. So, again, this are $220 stock. It's 99 So, I think a lot of this is priced in. I mean, we could talk, you know, and you just want to talk to travel stocks. Yeah. I mean, I they've mean, been absolutely massacred. They've been getting massacred. Yeah. Massacred. 
I mean, but RCL it, is 36 bucks. I mean, RCL, just to put it in perspective, bring it back to Airbnb in a minute, you're getting back down to the pandemic lows when the cruise ships were never going to sail again. So, I mean, they have priced in a recession. They're pricing in that nobody's ever going on a cruise again. Airbnb's priced in a lot of bad news, too. The one thing that keeps me away from Airbnb is just valuation. I'd like to call up Autumn in the cruise lines. I'd love to do that. They're way oversold. But I don't know. If we go into a recession and they got all that debt kicking around, they got to start doing more secondary, more offerings, and then you're in a higher rate environment. I mean, oil, and obviously we've talked about this before, you know, with oil costs and fuel costs and all of a sudden, you know, the demand maybe not as strong as we thought. It's a recipe for disaster. But, I mean, a lot of bad news is priced in. RCL has been cut in half in six weeks. That's incredible. Yeah, China, uh, not quite back at those uh, those um, pandemic lows. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just think about for all the time those those uh, those big ships were idle, right? I mean, for the longest time. Uh, Martin hopping in here with Boeing. Uh, did have – it's not – Boeing's not giving up here. Um, had a nice rally. I know they got some orders. They got some upgrades and stuff. I, I'm still going to stick with that line that I had out there. Didn't quite get there the yeah, other day. good line. Yeah, 142, it kind of snuck over there. Once again, it's what, for me, build a base and show a bid, a strong bid over 140. Fundamentally, I I just think big planes, I don't know. I just think that the, the smaller kids. Got to get over planes. that 140. Joel, your line is absolutely perfect. Before you get bullish of this thing, you really need to start seeing it get over that 140. I mean, we've been up. in this downtrend in Boeing here for years. You know, four hundred and forty-six dollars back in twenty nineteen is one hundred and thirty-seven bucks. It's hard to just get in this environment and say, "Okay, now is the bottom for Boeing." Because again, anybody who's been trying to call up bottom for the last three years has been wrong every single time. Remember, we had that guy that called the um, top in Boeing. I'm not going to bring his name up because uh, we got a lot of heat when we had him on. Remember that, Dennis? That's like mm-hmm. three, four years ago I when that thing was at four hundred, four fifty. Yeah, that might him. even have been pre-Mitch. Mitch, you might have been in like a junior high when uh, when we did hopefully. that. Joel's hopefully memory, Mitch. Joel's hopefully memory. I was in pre. Uh, hopefully I was. I just you remember young, everything, baby. man. I was hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping I was in diapers, man. But I bet you hey. Spitter remembers that. I could be. I, that was a long time ago. But all right, let's get let's get back on the uh, on the ticker train here. Sure. All right, so the next one up I want to touch is FDX because they do have earnings after the close. It was mentioned in the chat there, uh, so let's go to it. Let's check out uh, FedEx here. Um, you got to think they're going to be okay. I mean, the company came out and obviously you know, raises the dividend, gets a vote of confidence, held up. I mean, do they do all that and then report a, a, you know, a crappy earnings? I, I don't think so. I mean, that would be you know pretty nuts that – You'd go ahead. You'd raise the earn. You know what did they? Well, they raised the dividend. What else did they do in that big move up? Uh, they, I'm going uh, back in the pro right yeah, now. Yeah, well, what day they, was they that? raised the corporate changes. executive pay. Uh, back to like. Yeah, this was a couple of weeks ago because I did it. We we were dead wrong on this one. We we thought it would. They raised ag- the dividend. We thought it would give it back, but it hasn't. But it they hasn't raised the all. dividend from seventy five cents to a buck fifteen. Yeah, I thought they did something else too. Yeah, there was some board changes. Uh, yeah. Oh, they add, did they add some people to the board? Yeah. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, they added some people to the board. That, that was the decision there. Uh, um, I just don't think you're going to re- jack the dividend like that and then report, you know. Report like bad, right, right. 
And, and uh, maybe it could happen. I mean, I guess we're in the market environment that could happen. I don't think that's going to happen. Obviously, they report tonight. So I tend to think the earnings are going to be okay. I I'm, I might take the other side. I mean, I just think you had such – we talk about the pull forward with the pandemic when everyone was getting deliver, everything delivered all the time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and the other, you know, it's not that environment anymore. People are going out and doing things. And also with those big old gas guzzling trucks they use, exactly. I mean, the, you know, the, the fuel costs. So I don't know. I just like, sometimes you look, you look at a chart and you have a good feel for it for this one. I was wrong when I thought it was going to fade off that, that move. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'd ever get a chance to buy it, you know, to fill that gap, but. I want to. I mean, this thing takes out two twenty. <laughs> Where you go? Where's your out? Where you go? Oh yeah, two fifteen. That looks good. Doesn't look anything to me. So that's my look. It's always a gamble when you hold into earnings. Yeah. But I think I think you've got people who are potentially short this stock, saying, "Well, eventually they all come back down." I've been saying on the show for a long time, wrong on this one. So I think you have bag holder shorts in here. Believe it or not, not that you go look at short interest and it's going to be light, but you have probably short term traders in the last six seven days. That are sitting here saying, I hold this line enough eventually to come back in. And you can hit those traders. And I don't think the earnings are going to be bad. So I'm going the opposite way. I think the earnings are going to be good. I think the stock's okay. going to rally. Yeah. All right. So there's uh the That's market. But last time, kid, show me a bit above 240. <laughs> and then I'll get bullish. Look what it's it going to be earnings that is yeah. going to take us above 240 or it's going to take us below 220. What's the expected move? I don't even know. Let's go look. Well, we can always look that, that information that up. up. It's the nice thing about options. So to do expected move, we'll do the quick lesson, and then we're going to have to go because it's 901. Oh, it's 902. I, I didn't realize Joel, that. you can I leave if you want. Guys. I'll do Man, the expected you move go. here. Bye. Joel's leaving. He's gone. FedEx, oh, expected bah. move for earnings. Hang on. So what we do is we go and grab, and my options platform's coming up, but it is super duper slow here right now. Trying to bring up the strikes. I don't know why. I didn't have it open. Okay, coming up. So we can just go grab the weeklies, which you know expire June 24th, and grab the one that's closest to the money, the 230. We can grab, and you add them up. So you had about, you go between the bid and the ass, so because 720 on the close. This is obviously options aren't open right now, so you got to go to the closing print. It looks to me like nine, about $15 expected move. Wow. That's a big expected move. Big expected I, I, move I, there. I, 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 would be a, I would not be buying the straddle on this. I'd be more inclined to write the straddle on this. $15 seems like too much because I know it takes you up over 240 Maybe you do break out. Maybe it's going to be a killer report. Maybe it's going to run to 260 or something, but I don't think so. I think it's expected move is really high. I'm surprised it's $15. So anyways, we add 15, 245 to 215 is what you would think the after hours range on earnings. If it's good, 245 may start to struggle. If it's bad, 215 may find buyers. So there you go. All right. I'll let you go ahead and get on out of here. Dennis, you have a good day. Feel a little better, my friend. Try it, man. This cold's killing me. Feel a little better. All right, let's go ahead. We're going to start wrapping up, getting you guys over to live trading action. Don't forget, guys, though, 10 a.m. today, testimony by Chairman uh, Jerome Powell. He gave uh, he addressed the Senate on Wednesday. Now he'll give remarks to the House. Uh, watch live there on the Financial Service House Gov. I, I'm, I I tried to get them to put it up here on Benzinga. I'm not sure if they're getting it up. Uh, we'll see if uh, AB or Rohan is able to get it up. Semi-annual monetary policy report to Congress. So don't miss that, guys. That's going to be interesting. That's at 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, So you could see some swings at 10 a.m. We'll see if we get that or not. 
Like always, up next, you guys got live trading with Benzinga, Zunaid, Lord Ryan, and Money Mitch. So get on over there, guys. Come check out live trading. We've been killing it. We've been definitely destroying it. Yesterday, got a great trade on Moderna. If you guys didn't catch that, come on over and find out what that was all about. And we'll see if we get some other trades on out there. Hit the like button, and I'll see you guys next time right here on the number one show, Pre-Market Prep, get you started and ready for the markets. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.